The Old Testament lesson for the eighth Sunday after Trinity is from Jeremiah chapter 23. Thus says the Lord of hosts, Do not listen to the words of the prophets who prophesy to you, filling you with vain hopes. They speak visions of their own minds, not from the mouth of the Lord. They say continually to those who despise the word of the Lord, It shall be well with you. And to everyone who stubbornly follows his own heart, they say, No disaster shall come upon you. For who among them has stood in the counsel of the Lord to see and to hear his word? Or who has paid attention to his word and listened? Behold the storm of the Lord. Wrath has gone forth, a whirling tempest. It will burst upon the head of the wicked. The anger of the Lord will not turn back until he has executed and accomplished the intents of his heart. In the latter days you will understand it clearly. I did not send the prophets, yet they ran. I did not speak to them, yet they prophesied. But if they had stood in my counsel, then they would have proclaimed my words to my people, and they would have turned them from their evil way and from the evil, deeds, and from the evil of their deeds. Am I a God at hand, declares the Lord, and not a God afar off? Can a man hide himself in secret places so that I cannot see him, declares the Lord? Do I not fill heaven and earth, declares the Lord? I have heard what the prophets have said, who prophesy lies in my name, saying, I have dreamed, I have dreamed. How long shall there be lies in the heart of the prophets who prophesy lies, and who prophesy the deceit of their own heart, who think to make my people forget my name by their dreams that they tell one another, even as their fathers forgot my name for Baal? Let the prophet who has a dream tell the dream. But let him who has my word speak my word faithfully. What has straw in common with wheat, declares the Lord? Is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces? This is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the seventh chapter. Glory be to thee, O Lord. Jesus said, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise be to thee, O Christ. Just before our gospel lesson this morning, Jesus says these words. Enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, 
and those who find it are few. Enter by the narrow gate. There is, I don't think, anything easier than being a false prophet. To be a false prophet, all you must do is take that narrow gate and widen it just a bit, ever so slightly. You take people who are looking at a steep climb ahead of them and they say, no, you don't have to make the hike. You look at those who are suffering, those who are enduring grief, and you offer them a narcotic, something to numb their pain. You stand before those who are looking at the wages of sin and the demands of righteousness, and you offer a way to have their cake and eat it too. No, you can continue just as you are and everything will be okay. You stand before those who have a single path. I am the way and the truth and the life, Jesus says. A single path and you offer them options. Have you ever considered this other way? You look at those who are hearing God's promises and his call to trust in him and you sow just a little bit of doubt like the devil in the Garden of Eden. You remember he didn't begin with a bald-faced lie. He didn't come out right off the bat denying what God said. He simply asked a question. Did God really say? You decide. It's the easiest thing to be a false prophet because you take that narrow gate, that narrow way, and you widen it just ever so slightly. And now it is a broad way and an easy path, but where does it lead? To destruction. And so Jesus says this morning, beware. I think this gospel maybe strikes you differently than it strikes me, but it's relevant for all of us. Beware, I hear, beware of being a false prophet. But all of us, all of us should beware of listening to false prophets. I'd like to talk about why that's the case, why God cares so much about that. But first of all, we see in our lessons this morning, we see all kinds of help for understanding who the false prophets are and what they are like. Now, in our lessons today, the false prophets explicitly claim to speak on behalf of God. They say, we've dreamed dreams and they're from God. We've seen visions and it was God who gave them to us. We are his prophets and he has sent us and so we speak on his behalf. That was a problem among the people of Israel at the time of Jeremiah, people who claimed to speak on God's behalf. We have that trouble today as well, and you can imagine any number of preachers in churches or on TV who claim to speak on God's behalf, and yet they are speaking merely visions of their own minds. They are willing to distort God's word, to scratch itching ears, as the prophet says, for a buck or for the approval of men or just for their own comfort and ease, it is the easiest thing to do. But I think that for us, the greater danger perhaps comes from those false prophets who do not claim explicitly to speak on behalf of God. They don't have to in our world because our world cares so little about God. Wolves in sheep's clothing, all they have to do is be nice and decent. All they have to do is seem like good human beings, trustworthy and reliable, that they have your best interest in mind. And that could be anyone. Think about the people in your life whose words are difficult for you to take critically, 
Because you love them. Because they seem to love you. Because they appear to have wisdom and kindness and compassion. How would you know whether they are speaking God's word or their own word? It matters. It matters, and that is why Jesus gives us this warning. Beware of false prophets. And here's how you can tell who they are. Starting at the beginning of our Old Testament lesson, this is what they do. They fill you with vain hopes. Vain hopes, that is, empty hopes. Hopes that will never be paid off. Hopes, promises that can never be fulfilled. And they do it in a couple of ways. By offering you what you want right now, as though now were going to be forever. They offer you comfort and ease, peace, prosperity, whatever it is that you'd like. They offer it to you right now, like Satan standing with Jesus, tempting him, offering him all the kingdoms of the world now, if only he will bow down and worship him. They offer it right now, sometimes in the form of instant gratification. So think about the false prophets who suggest that these fleshly things, the fleshly pleasures of life, money and sex and drugs and alcohol, all of those crass things, that those are your hope. But that is what will fulfill you. Those are false prophets. But even on a more profound scale, on a larger scale, we hear false prophets all the time in our world offering fixes, cures for our world right now. I think over the last two years, we've heard more promise empty promise about the kinds of things that will make us better, that will make this world better. If only we can all get over our racism. If only everyone would get the vaccine. If only we could all cut down on carbon emissions. If only we could just let people do what they want with their money, then everything would be just fine right now. You see what a vain promise that is? What a vain hope? It is not a hope for eternity, to say the least, but even now there are no cures, no fixes for sin and evil except for what we have in Christ Jesus. And those vain promises, those vain promises mislead so many. But perhaps more problematic are those vain promises of a future, of eternity. Promises that do not reckon with the reality of sin and death and the grave. The kinds of promises that you hear At funerals and memorial services, these cheap comforts, they're in a better place. They're free from their suffering. They were a wonderful person. See how they love their family. What hope does that give in the face of death and hell? Those vain promises for the future that do not reckon with sin, that do not offer a cure, the sacrifice for sin that takes away death, takes away the sting of the grave. Vain hopes. Listen for them. Listen. Watch out for people who offer more than they can deliver. Who offer what is not true. What they are offering, as Jeremiah goes on, is visions of their own minds. If they are not speaking according to God's word, again, whoever it might be, if they are not speaking according to God's word, where has it come from? In the best case, it's just according to their own whims. Maybe indigestion. Maybe some dream they had last night. Worst case, it's straight from the mouth of Satan. If it's not according to God's word, it is a lie. And that is how you can tell. This is your charge. 
as Christians is to listen and watch out for vain hopes and words that do not accord with what God says. And that is true whether it is coming from your friends or your family or your neighbors or the media or from me. You do not get into heaven by listening to me. Test everything that you hear. Test it against God's word. And then you will know. You will know whether you are listening to a true or false prophet. Jeremiah goes on and he gives us some examples of the kinds of lies that the false prophets say. Two of the most important lies. The first one is this. They continually say to those who despise the word of God, it shall be well with you. To those who have heard God's word, to those who are in range of God's word and despise it, who want nothing to do with it, these false prophets say, it's going to be fine, you're okay. This is of great concern to the church. This is why folks who stop coming to church should be high on our list of priorities, lest we, like the false prophets, let them think that it is going to go well with them because they are despising, in spite of the fact that they are despising God's word. Those vain hopes, those false promises. You can ignore this part of God's word, that's okay. You can set it aside, it'll be just fine. You don't need to listen to preaching, you don't need to hear God's word, you don't need to receive his sacraments, it's going to be okay. That's what the false prophets of our day say. And they say to those who stubbornly follow their own hearts, no disaster will come upon you. Think of what that looks like for those who have heard God's word and know what it says, but yet choose to live according to their own hearts. The temptation of the false prophet, the temptation for any Christian, the temptation for me as a pastor is always to say, it's going to be okay, you're going to be just fine. No disaster will come upon you. Because those are comfortable and easy words. Far harder, far harder is it to be a true prophet and to warn of the disaster that is coming for those who follow their own hearts. This is what God's word is for. St. Paul tells us in 2 Timothy that God's word is written for our learning, that it is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. That's the test of a true prophet. Does he use God's word in that way? Does he use it to rebuke sin and to offer the promises of the gospel? Or does he use it for his own gain, for his own comfort? Does he not care about the one who is languishing in sin? Pay attention to all of those things. Pay attention to those warning signs. Watch out. But here's the most important part. This question. If you remember nothing else from this sermon, remember this part. Why does God care so much? Why, for instance, after he lists these uh, lies that the false prophets preach, why does he go on to describe his rage? Listen to what it says. Behold, the storm of the Lord, wrath has gone forth, a whirling tempest. It will burst upon the head of the wicked. The anger of the Lord will not turn back until he has executed and accomplished the intents of his hearts. I did not send them, yet they ran. I did not speak to them, yet they prophesied. Why is he so angry? about the false prophets. It's obvious in the first place that when they speak on his behalf and in his name, they tell lies. They put words in his mouth. And that would be terrible for anyone. But listen to what comes next. This is what matters most of all to God. If they had stood in my counsel, then they would have proclaimed my words and they would have turned the people from their evil ways and from the evil of their deeds. 
God cares about the false prophets because they destroy souls. He cares about the truth of his word because it is what leads us to repentance. Without it, we are lost. When it is broadened ever so slightly, we are lost because we put our faith in something other than the promises of God. When false prophets speak their own minds, when they speak their own dreams, they deprive God's children of repentance. And that breaks God's heart more than anything else. There is more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who do not need repentance. And so God has set about in this world to do everything possible to lead us to repentance, to draw us to him, to teach us of our sin and our wickedness and the consequences, the wages, which are death, so that fearing his wrath and seeing his mercy in Jesus on the cross, we would put our trust in him and in nothing else so that we would not be lost, so that we could live in joy and goodness and righteousness and peace, all of those things that the world tries to offer you, those defective things, perverted things the world tries to offer you, he offers it to you in abundance for eternity in perfection. The truth matters to God, not just because it's his opinion or because he likes to be right. It matters because it is life and death for you. That is why he brings judgment down on the heads of the wicked. That is why the false prophets will suffer. Because he cares about you. The truth matters because Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. Jesus does not want you to be lost, to be misled, to fail to receive the blessings that he has prepared for you. He's prepared this treasure for you, a treasure beyond imagination, a treasure because you are heirs of God's kingdom. What you should never have expected, he has offered to you freely in Christ Jesus, to be a child of God, to be an heir of his kingdom, to be free from sin and sorrow and grief, and to be full of joy. He has offered it to you freely, and he has shown you where to find it. He has given you all kinds of access to it. So fill your hearts and minds with his words. Learn to love Jesus. Learn to love the truth. Be mindful of his salvation, of his cross and glory for you. Let those things fill your hearts and minds. Receive his correction with joy. When God's word convicts you of your sin, rejoice, because a heavenly Father disciplines those whom he loves. Rejoice, repent, and believe. Be comforted by his consolation, the one consolation that counts. His blood, which is the only thing that matters for your life and salvation. There's a beautiful hymn. I think we'll sing it in a couple weeks, actually. I know my faith is founded. Listen to this verse. This is what I'll leave you with. This should be our prayer as Christians. Increase my faith, dear Savior, for Satan seeks by night and day to rob me of this treasure and take my hope of bliss away. But Lord, with you beside me, I shall be undismayed, and led by your good spirit, I shall be unafraid. Abide with me, O Savior, a firmer faith bestow, and I shall bid defiance to every evil foe. To Christ alone be all glory, now and forever. 
Amen.